When I was a boy, Bruce Lee was my hero. He was, he was, to me, the essence of manhood because he was just a wrecking shop. He was a, a one-man army, right? Like this clip from the Fist of Fury shows. A whole school of rivals stood no chance against one Bruce Lee. His kung fu was so strong, right? Like nobody could stand against him. And he was, he was for a long time like the essence in my heart of what it meant to be a man. Maybe your hero when you were, you were a kid was Michael Jordan or Troy Aikman or Bo Jackson. You know, not, not me. It was always and forever Bruce Lee. And this has been and still is a picture of one of the strongest, like, prevailing archetypes of masculine virtue in our culture. Fighting alone, isolated, independent, autonomous. That hero, that man, is held up as a model in our culture. And it's, it's stood through the ages, like from the Lone Ranger to James Bond, from John Rambo to John Wick. The story keeps on continuing again and again. And the message is that real men were free from ties, that we are free of the bonds of wife or household or certainly friendship. The message is social isolation, autonomy, independence is a defining artifact of what it truly means to be a man. We swim in the waters of what one author described as, listen to this, the fetish of self-reliance. So are, are these men, men, men like Bruce Lee in Fist of Fury, are they who should we aspire to be like in real life? Is that the model? What does Scripture have to say? Proverbs 18.1 speaks to this. The wisdom of God states, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against sound wisdom. See, according to, to God's wisdom, a man who lives isolated, independent, in autonomy, he isn't heroic, he isn't ideal, he's foolish. Here's the truth. The belief that standing alone is a defining aspect of what it means to be a man, that's a lie. Isolation kills masculine virtue. Um, virtue. Autonomy kills the mission of them. And the overwhelming message of Scripture is a call for men to live not in isolation, but in fraternity. And fraternity is a vision of living in relationship with other men that transcends really our, our cultural understanding of mere friendship among men. God has made us to live in relationships with other men that are real, genuine, they're deep, they're, they're powerful bonds of brotherhood. Men need brotherhood. We need close groups united under a shared purpose. We need to stand with other men for common cause. We need to live as brothers who understand one another. Fraternity is a group of friends who share life and mission together. Hopes, fears, victories, failures, struggles, dreams, our calling, purpose. I think the wisdom of God captures the essence of what fraternity is in Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
See, fraternity is more than friends that we have that are a mile wide and an inch deep. It's not a life full of acquaintances or drinking buddies where relationship stays merely on the surface. Fraternity is the longing of our heart where friendship among men is, is built upon a deep understanding of one another and committed to brotherly love with one another. So I just want to take a moment this morning as we begin to draw to an end of our time together this weekend to talk about the power of fraternity. From Scripture, I want us to take a moment to look at the promises of the power of fraternity in our life. And the first thing I want us to see is that fraternity protects us. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Let me read for you Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. It says, two men are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Although a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. 18 years ago today, on this stage, I was married. On this stage, on a Friday, 18 years ago today, I married my wife, Anna. And this verse was read at our wedding. And I love that this verse was read at our wedding. It means a lot to my marriage. It has deep application for my marriage. But the explicit context of this verse is not about a relationship between a husband and a wife. The wisdom of King Solomon here speaks to the explicit relationship of the power of fraternity among brothers. That verse has a lot more to do with my friend and brother Josh Curry who was up on that stage the day I got married than my relationship with my wife. It has more to do with my brother Adam Bass who stood up for me as one of my groomsmen. It's about brotherhood lived together where we protect one another. Real, genuine male friendship, this verse says, it multiplies us, it picks us up, it protects us, it nurtures us, it strengthens us, where we serve one another. Fraternity comes up under our burdens and it bears them with us. It provides, provides brotherhood where we, we get one another's backs. We need one another to help each other see our blind spots. It's a ridiculous question to ask a man, hey, what are your blind spots if he doesn't have fraternity? He has no idea. But fraternity protects us where you know, I, I have blind spots covered because brothers have my back. When I fall, they have a hand to pick me up. In the chill of the night, of the weariness, of the dangers of this world, I don't lie alone. The warmth of brotherhood is there with me. Many times we don't see things and don't realize what's happening to us and through us. We can't protect ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit working through true friends in our lives. They're like mirrors that help us see ourselves rightly and grow into the men God has called us to be. Which leads us to the second thing. That's the power of fraternity. Fraternity helps us grow. 
It's God's will that we live in friendships that are so strong as we've talked about tonight where it's required for us to to possess substance and gravitas that we need to live in brotherhood where we can challenge in love and be challenged in love. The phrase too close for comfort is actually essential for fraternity. That we must live in 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 brotherhood in such a way that men are so close to us, they speak truth into our lives that challenge us and help us grow. We need men in our lives that love us enough to call out, as one author wrote, false things that we trust in, good things that we've made the best things, and temporary things that we've made ultimate things. Real fraternity provides the priceless and rare reality in the life of a man where he can experience openness and honesty. Proverbs 12, or Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. This sounds like sometimes saying something to a friend like, hey, you've been traveling for work a lot. And running at a really intense pace. And I just, I notice because I'm your brother and I'm fighting for you, it seems like you haven't spent some good time with your son in a while. It seems to me that you're neglecting the call of fatherhood in your life. Does that seem true to you? Now that is hard to hear. But it's deeply loving to say. See, most of us have fans, not fraternity, friends that are around us that, that just say, hey, you're the best, you're doing great. But true friends who really are building fraternity, they love us enough to call the best version of a man out who God has called us to be. And it's necessity for our godliness and growth. Correctability is a powerful weapon on our journey of masculine virtue. Proverbs 6.23, correction and instruction are the way to life. In fraternity, as a part of a band of brothers, it's the place that we grow. Listen to this. Thick skin and keep soft hearts. Men of isolation so often have hard hearts and thin skin. But it's, it's in the midst of fraternity that we experience growth as in the direction of, of, of the men that God has called us to be. We know this, this truth. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another in relationships and bonds and brotherhoods of trust and honor and love. And the power of fraternity, thirdly, it unites us on mission. Fraternity unites us on mission. In, I was reading this week in, in 1 Samuel 14, and there's this moment where the people of Israel, they're being terrorized by their neighbors, the Philistines, and they're being oppressed and subjugated and raided and pillaged, and, and the men of Israel who are, are outweaponed and outmanned, they're trying to war against and protect their garden, their people, their place against the enemies of God, and things look bleak, but there's one man, Jonathan, the son of King Saul, and he accomplishes this amazing act of bravery. This is 1 Samuel 14, 6. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. 
And so Jonathan, with his armor bearer, he sneaks in across the enemy lines of the Philistines, and, and in about half an acre in hand-to-hand combat with his armor bearer, they strike down and kill 20 Philistines, and their army, the Philistine army, freaks out, panic uh, just spreads through their entire forces, and the whole tide of the battle turns. You flip the next page over, a few pages over, a few chapters later, and then young David enters the scene in 1 Samuel 17. And there's another battle about to take place, but down in the valley, the champion of the Philistines, he's mocking, he's, he's insulting, he's calling out for a man to fight him. And we're familiar with the story. Young David comes on the scene, and what does he say to this Philistine champion? In verse 45, he says, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. That sounds a lot like the heart of Jonathan, right? God can save by few or by many. And What David proclaims, God does through David. David kills Goliath with a stone from a sling. He cuts off the giant's head with the giant's own sword. And then the next scene, David is holding Goliath's severed head, and he's being introduced to King Solomon. Uh, Excuse me, King, King Saul. And King Saul is there meeting young David. And he asks, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. But but look at what happens. And as soon as he finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan had seen all the events with David that had unfolded. And when Jonathan met David, he recognized his very own heart was beating in David's chest. And from that moment on, their souls were knit together. What a strong statement. How did that happen? It's it's almost funny and comical to me, right? You just imagine young David with this giant head, and he's holding on to it. And Jonathan sees him, and and Jonathan locks eyes with him, and Jonathan feels in his heart, you like killing Philistines? I like killing Philistines. (laughs) You're my soulmate. (laughs) But the reality is, though, there's something about the very purpose and mission of Jonathan. I trust God, and I protect his people. And he sees that same mission in David. You trust God and you protect his people. Talked about the the aspect of, of true masculinity to be a savior. He saw that in this young man. And and in that mission, in that shared purpose, their souls are knit together. See, fraternity is not ultimately built on shared interests like hunting or golfing or biking. Fraternity is built on the foundation of shared lordship under God and shared mission fighting for his kingdom. Carrying the same mission and purpose in our souls is what binds us in brotherhood where we can look at each other in the eye like Jonathan looked at David and said, you love God, you love people, you push back darkness too. 
We have shared mission. We have brotherhood. Our souls are knit together. Fraternity is forged when, when men look up to God and look out to the world and discern best how they can serve and lead shoulder to shoulder. So in the last few minutes, let's just look at what it, what it means to fight for fraternity. How do we build and maintain this brotherhood in our lives? Well, the first thing is that we prioritize Fighting for fraternity means that that needs to show up on our calendars. We don't drift into deep friendship among brothers. We have to fight for it. We have to foster for it. And if, if you're like me in times in my past, you, you know this, and yet you, you look at your life and you think, man, it's too hard to keep and build friendships as a 30-year-old or a 40, especially when you get older, it seems more challenging, Right? It's impossible to have time to work hard at my job and provide for my family and be a good husband and be present with my kids and keep my house and try to go to the gym. And, and, and we have all these things that are important and often seem urgent. We realize friends are important, but those relationships don't seem urgent. But here's the truth. We will not be able to fulfill our calling without fraternity. Fraternity is not an option among many things. It's essential for everything. To be the Christian, the husband, the father, the worker, the leader, the servant we're called to be will not happen if we are alone. And if we're too busy for fraternity and deep friendship, something is wrong and something must change. And let's be honest, if, if we really valued fraternity, we would prioritize it more. Busyness is often the presenting issue, and what's behind that busyness is pride because we think we can do it all on our own. And repentance looks like this year taking actionable change to prioritize deep friendship. The second way we fight for fraternity is presence. Fighting for fraternity through time together. Fraternity grows in proximity Men being together routinely, this means regular, planned, and reoccurring times together. And practically but powerfully, the best way we do this in Frontline is to join a community group and be a part of a discipleship group, a band of brothers living in fraternity that study scripture together, pray for one another, live on mission together. But fostering fraternity through presence also just means that... that we invite one another and allow each other into the regular rhythms of our life. Everyday life together. Projects around the house. Coaching kids' sports teams. Lunch after church. Walking the dog. Having a cigar. Time at the gym. Sitting in the deer stand. Whatever it is, friendship and fraternity is forged within the ordinary rhythms of life. We fight for fraternity through remembering that we, we need to be purposeful in our friendships, fighting for fraternity through intentional support. Genuine fraternity produces something together, as we've talked about, but genuine fraternity also produces something in one another. Fraternity builds character and virtue and holiness in a man. There's intentionality to it. I have fruit trees that I'm pruning right now in my yard, and I'm cutting them down so they bear fruit. That's what true fraternity looks like. There's a cultural lie that says there's nothing worse than a group of men, that it's dangerous, 
Groups of men are the problem in the world. It's true that powerful things can be twisted. The truth is groups of men are dangerous in the best way under the rule of God. They're dangerous to the very gates of hell because we're on mission together purposefully, united under the authority of God following Jesus. And it's one of the greatest forces on the very face of the earth. And lastly, we just fight through frater- for fraternity through perseverance. It takes perseverance to be part of a real fraternity. We have to fight through our offense. We have to fight through petty and trivial distractions in our lives. We have to fight through betrayals and continue to believe in the necessity of friendship. One of the things that we just need to fight through is, is the awkwardness that making friends takes sometimes. You know, we're all like starting to work out probably in a, a more intentional way at the beginning of the year. And that isn't good. That feels hard at first, right? We've atrophied. And many of us have atrophied in, in building brotherhood. And we need to fight through that. I was brought back to the words of, of C.S. Lewis and his wisdom in his book, The Four Loves About Friendship. As it speaks to the perseverance of friendship. We just have to name that we're afraid. We're afraid to get betrayed. We're afraid to get hurt. We're afraid to put ourselves out there. And Lewis writes in wisdom, yeah, we can lock our hearts up. He writes, lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Fraternity requires that we persevere, we move towards each other through all the barriers that it presents. It's a fight worth taking. When I was a boy, I thought being a man meant I stood alone and I fight. Now that I'm a man, I know that being a real man means I stand in brotherhood. Brotherhood. 